Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. The throw rainbows it down the right side for Kyle Pitts. He's got it. He's there. Touchdown. Oh, my. Oh, my, indeed. Welcome back, everyone, to the Sports Bits Podcast with Moco, here to talk about all things Florida Gators football and Boston Celtics. Follow me on Twitter at SportsBitsPod to get updates on when I upload and also live takes and reactions of the games being played or any news that happens in the NBA or in, or in the college football world because there's a lot happening this week and we're going to be talking about all that on the show. And if you're uh, listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. That would be appreciated. And if you're on YouTube, you know the deal. Like, share, and subscribe. You know the spiel. Let's get into it. So uh, first things first, we talked about this a little earlier. I'm depressed as a Celtics fan, and you guys saw the, the win-loss record this week. It was sad and depressing, and the trends were very – yeah, the trends were very the same. You know, we stuff we talked about, you know, stuff we bring up every week, and it's just – it's sad to see that they're not, like, fixing some of the core issues like perimeter defense or rebounding or just generally closing in the fourth quarter is our biggest issue. I think it's the most – if we can fix that, I think we'll win a lot more games and we'll improve our, our playoff chances for getting home court. But, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if you guys wanted to bring up anything on that or any of the games this week, you know. Uh, something for me that jumped out in the box score for uh, the Grizzlies game, uh, Valanchunas had 19 rebounds, and seven of them were offensive rebounds. Uh, and only two players on the Grizzlies did not uh, record an offensive rebound. So I feel like offensive rebounding for them was, like, a huge thing. And also the point mar- the point margin was um six i think right yeah six so yeah. six points so uh what was it the grizzlies their offensive rating or i think their offensive efficiency which is um the number of points they score per 100 possessions mm-hmm. is 107 uh yes 107 so they score about 1.7 um 1.07 points per possession i think so the fact that they got rebounds I think was like a huge thing because it's just giving them an extra possession and then you know they're scoring about a point per possession so I think that that really was a big thing for them that's good you elaborate on the stat because some people may not know that, like these certain stat lines we bring up so yeah if you guys ever bring yeah, up specific this, stats this try to from, elaborate them yeah this was from uh, ESPN as well yeah yeah just the overall performance of the Celtics this, uh, this past um, week is just extremely depressing and I, I can understand <laughs> where you're coming depressing. from Makoto because like it's yep. just like it's just a rest in peace moment because like you, know, you want you want the Celtics to do so well but like realistically and they have the talent season. to do well they have yes. the talent yeah. you know they have yeah. such good young talent and it's really honestly I think it's just tragic you know I'm, I'm just gonna say y'all players. have we, we all three of our teams should be dominating the Suns are dominating the Nets are dominating and I'm just sitting here Sad as an as an AC in the in the East when we should be like the fourth or the fifth seat, fifth like seed. I'm just Got saying it. it's about time that you took a back seat and let our teams be uh, be better. <laughs> Hell no! All right, no, but um, one thing I definitely want to yeah, highlight: you you have your 17 championships, all right? Let's let's get give give, yeah, give all some in the 80s some and all in the 60s. Yeah. All right, but the one thing I do want to bring up: Time Lord's pr- uh, improvement over after the All Star break has been amazing. Okay. I know. James has been preaching that and he's definitely showing his worth. He's been showing his worth. And that's a good thing that 
potentially we could trade away one of our centers and like have Robert Williams take the main backup or the lead role, lead starting center role. And it could, and he would feel, I would feel confident with him there over what he was earlier in the season when he was like, you know, he was mediocre at best, but now he's making, making, re, getting rebounds, blocking shots, getting a lot of points on the bench. It's amazing to see, but yeah, I mean, the games they they were what they were. There's nothing really much to break down. They're all the same things. Like if I had to break them all down, I'd say the same points are for every one of them. But uh, more interestingly in the headlines, uh, Brad Stevens leaving for Indiana University, question mark. He's not. But, never, um, he's, never. He's the, he's the, he's the, here's the exact quote from what he said about that, that comment. Is, uh, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a 44-year-old mass hole. And then he, he, <laughs> pers- he proceeds to comment about like, yeah, I root for the Patriots and I, I love Dunkin' Donuts. Yay. Yeah, so that's that's his he, exact said, he, he said that exactly. He said exactly that. Yeah, like Jeez. he talked about Dunkin' Donuts. He talked about the. I mean, hey, at least at least he knows his loyalty. You yeah, know, it, he knows where I, he belongs. I'm happy he he's he's like in the culture, like in Boston and Massachusetts culture. That means like he wants to stay. But mm-hmm. this IU thing really made me think about like, are people potentially going to try to poach him like again for like maybe a, a like a hotter job like the Warriors job or maybe like a big college job like you know like a like a Gonzaga type job or a Baylor type job. Like, what do you guys think? Like, let's start with uh, James. Cause I know you guys, I know you guys both college follow college football, but let's start with James. Like, do you think another like a big time job could try to poach him again? Cause I know I use pretty mean, big. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, I think that even a lot of like the coaches in the NBA, like realistically are, have looked at college uh, jobs and because sometimes they, they do end up becoming a better experience for those coaches. And, you know, specifically for Brad Stevens, you know, if he we'll, – we'll say in a hypothetical sense, if he did go to Indiana University and decide to coach there for however many years, you know, he would be he would be a perfect fit there. And I think that they would be extremely happy to have him. He's an awesome coach, a lot of experience, worked under Popovich. You know, it, like it was – he has so much potential to have those ty- kinds of teams – Especially with a with a now nowadays lower end school such as Indiana University become a t- more of a top priority in the NCAA tournament, and you know with with like I said with his experience he he would be able to make those players exponentially better, regardless of who they are. You know they he he could make walk ons into uh, into future draft picks for the NBA. You know. So it, he's one of those type of coaches that I feel like could turn around a lot of players who wouldn't necessarily be looked at by college scouts or NBA scouts for that matter and be, have the, uh, bring up the, the most potential out of those players. So I think that, you know, he's an awesome player development coach. He knows how to run the playbook. And, you know, he, he's, he's one of the best offensive to defensive ratio coaches that you could have as an overall head coach in, uh, in whether it be in the NBA or in college, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, wherever he goes, I think that he'll exponentially make a team better. Obviously, we want him to stay on the Celtics. He's, a, he's an amazing NBA coach and one of, the be- one of the better NBA coaches, maybe not for this season, but, you know, it, it's like uh, it's a no brainer that a lot of people are calling out to him and asking him for uh, for different job opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially the University of Indiana, because he is an Indiana native. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with James. I think he would be a great fit there because we know that, um, you know, coaching in the, on the college level is a lot more involved, at least from what I see. It's a lot more involved where, you know, like they're more, like, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe or at least it's hard to, for me to put my thoughts into this word, these words. But like, I feel like for an NBA coach, you know, you, you get to rely a lot more on the players themselves. Obviously, a good coach is you, you need a good coach, you know, like Popovich has, you know, created a dynasty out of like second round picks. You know, like he, he, you know, he's done a great job, but um, the, the college coaching is so much more involved. It seems like, cause the players don't have that as much talent, you know what I'm saying? Like Steve Nash right now, coaching James Harden and Kyrie Irving is not the right. same as a college coach coaching, you know, five guys who have, you know, just started playing basketball together that year. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no you keep going. <laughs> I was, I was going to pretty much just reiterate what you were saying. Yeah, no, you did. Uh, I was pretty much just going to say, like, even with, like, somebody like Patrick Ewing, who is now coaching Georgetown, you know, we've seen a lot of improvement that he's made in recent years. Or somebody like Chris Mullen coaching St. John's uh, University in, in New York. Yeah. You know, like, those guys made a lot of improvements as college coaches and now are even being looked at from the NBA standpoint of, possibly being brought up into the higher level of play so like mm -hmm. I think that it's you know with somebody like Brad Stevens a lot of people are always going to be calling out to him to ask for uh, for coaching jobs because he's just that talented you know like uh, Patrick Ewing led um, Georgetown to the 12th seed this year you know like that that was very um, that was very impressive coming from him considering that uh, when he started his like first or second year um, when he coached at Georgetown that um, he was terrible. Everybody thought that he was going to be a terrible coach, and he, he kind of proved every all the critics right or wrong, right? Yeah, right. That he was a bad coach, and so like oh, that, he proved him wrong. That well, he was a bad he coach. Now he proved yeah. him wrong. Yeah, yeah. Now he, he proved him wrong. <laughs> yeah. Now he. Yeah. That's why I got confused. Sorry, uh, but um, yeah. But like before, like he was a bad coach, and now he's made a lot of the improvements, and he's done the things that he needs to change to be a better coach. So I, I'm excited to see what somebody like Patrick Ewing coaching Georgetown will do in the future. And hopefully Georgetown will be able to make the tournament consistently. But um, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's, like I said, it's, uh, I, I'm not surprised that a bunch of colleges, especially somebody like Indiana is, is calling out to Brad Stevens to ask for um, coaching jobs. Yeah. I mean, he did coach at Butler and raised up Gordon Hayward. So, I mean, he does have an Indiana connection. Uh, I wouldn't say for IU mainly, I would say he would go back to Butler if he had to choose one, but yeah. yeah, just following the college, like for me, following the college scene a lot more, there's a bigger thing that like, not just coaching like new guys, but also recruiting these guys. You have to be the main recruiter to these, to these colleges and like me following college sports a lot more. Like I follow college football, but it's the same thing for basketball. You need to go out every like, during the offseason, like every day you're talking to recruits, you're building that connection. You're trying to bring these guys over there where they potentially have connections to like, oh, they might have commitments or, or, or um, offers from like, you know, Gonzaga or like a Duke type. And you got to pull these guys away from those schools and prove that your school is the best school to go to for like exactly. education or like MBA prep or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I great. Yeah, you can no, actually you go for it. Oh, yeah, I feel like also like in terms of recruiting, like Brad Stevens, just the name itself would draw recruits in, you know, they they because they would know that they're getting the 
previous experience from like you said he was coaching at Butler he did a great job there you know he's coaching the Celtics now so if he went to Indiana hypothetically then yeah I think a lot of people would want to play under him because they know that he has the experience and he's going to be able to develop them into potential draft picks yeah it's it's like having Roy Williams or our coach K at Duke and UNC like that name brings those recruits over, and that's why they've been really good because they've they've shown their pedigree and they bring the recruits in to, to back it up and make them even better but yeah, speaking of um, college basketball, March Madness kind of screwed all of us over. Uh, there's, I don't know, I don't know how many upsets there were, but I think there's like it's 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 close to like the most upsets in the first one or two rounds. I think in a while. Yeah. So I that was. That was... Uh, let's go real quick on that, like like a one minute thing. But like, what do you guys think about the upsets this week and like how March Madness is faring out for everybody because there's no perfect brackets anymore. Yeah, honestly, I love it. I'm not gonna lie. Ugh. I love it too. I think I think there was more upsets than there were like chalk picks, which is ridiculously interesting in my opinion. Because mm. it's like we've like we know that March Madness can be crazy like that. That's why it's called March Madness in the first place. But like you know, I, I it's just so surprising to me how many teams that were lower seed were able to beat the higher seed. Like, it was un- unusually mad. It was unusually yeah. mad compared to most yeah. years that I've Definitely. watched in March Madness. Because I'm a big, I've been raised a UNC fan. I've watched their their dynasty slot or their even Duke's dynasty because we have to play them every year. Mm-hmm. It's it's very uncommon. This is like one of the few years I've seen. Like oh my god! Like and plus both of my teams are out, so like I'm kind of just like whatever about March Madness <laughs> right now. Yeah, Duke, <laughs> UNC got lost to Wisconsin and Florida lost to or- Oral Roberts, and I'm fuming. Every Florida fan who follows basketball even slightly is fuming, losing Dude, to Oral, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts has gone off in this tournament Cinderella. For, no re- for no if they reason. Win, if they win in the Sweet 16, this will be a real Cinderella story, just like Cinderella. from a, from two years yeah. ago. And um, even like UNBC last year beating Virginia, that was a, that was a crazy moment. Yeah, Actually, not I last year. That, it was two years ago, something like that. And I, and I think that like at this point, we can say pretty safely – Again, it's March Madness, so we have no idea what's going to happen. But I think at this point, we can say pretty safely that Gonzaga is going to win the whole thing. Yeah, you know, like they would, they eliminate they eliminated Illinois already, so now they only have to deal with really the only person I could think of they would have to like be worried about is Alabama and um, uh, Baylor. I would say are there two yeah. two two, two mm-hmm. main worries? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel like they have a really e- they have an easier path to the finals now. And then, like you said, because I, I have I'm pretty confident that Baylor is going to make it to the finals. So I think that that's going to be a really good matchup. But um, they definitely both of those teams have a much easier way to the finals at this point now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it, it should be pretty interesting. Um, I'm excited to see what, what the rest of the tournament is going to look like. Uh, you know, like me, me and uh, me and Reed have been some watching the the games, especially the first round. We literally sat <laughs> on our couch for like seven hours straight, just watching. We did not, year. we did not move that yeah. entire day. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, sadly, was I was too fun. busy to join you guys. But now, now <laughs> since my midterm is over, I'm actually down to go watch some some Elite Eight and Sweet Sixteen games uh, coming up this weekend. If you don't, if you don't come over to watch the Elite Eight and the Sweet Sixteen, then we're gonna have a problem. Yeah, then we're going to have a problem. Especially the Elite Eight, because I'm actually excited to see who's going to make it out because a lot of the lower seats are are, are in it. So I'm actually going to be excited this year, even though my, both of my teams are out. So we'll, we'll, we'll ignore that and just see. Let's see what happens. Let's, I think I can put that mindset. Let's see what happens. I'm I mean, you, we all looked like fools for uh, last, last podcast when we 
when I said that Wichita State was looking great. Reed said that West Virginia was looking great. No, nope. Drake was looking great. Yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone. We, we look like idiots. We really I know we all look like idiots. So at this point, we're just gonna put our hands up and just say, "Let's see what happens." I'm excited. Exactly. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to say anything else about it because you. I. I, I don't want like to. I don't want to. Exactly. I don't want to embarrass <laughs> myself anymore. Yeah. Than I, I'm done. I'm done trying to make hot takes about the March Madness uh, this year. So, <laughs> but let's uh, run scores. There are some things we need to talk about uh, with the trade deadline because that's actually tomorrow. Because we're recording this on the 24th, which is the night before the the trade deadline actually is. And the first thing that actually came up a couple of weeks, like I think a week ago or a couple of weeks ago that I don't know if you guys saw, but they're potentially looking at trading Jalen Brown for J- John Collins and like one other young player with the Hawks. I heard about the John Collins. And that is really goofy. Unless you guys have another comment on that. If you guys don't think it's goofy, then you, you can speak up now. Otherwise I'm going to move on because that's sounds goofy to my mind. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it, but like, I don't think that like it, should be completely ignored or thrown in the trash like as like the only reason why i'm saying that is yes like we know how great jalen brown and jalen brown is and how Mm -hmm. um (laughs) how underwhelming sometimes john collins can be yes but i like the idea of the celtics looking at more centers because realistically tristan thompson was not it yeah. And, you know, Robert Williams, he is on the come up, but like they need mm-hmm. more help. So and, yeah. they, they need like a, they need they need like a rotational center, but I don't know if really John Collins no. would be that rotational center. That's Funny enough, you guys don't know who the people I'm actually going to bring up, but this came up today and they're in live talks with the with the team right now about him. But uh, John Collins, also the last thing I'm going to say about that, John Collins is on his last year of his contract. We to, you would have to pay him. We already have Jalen Brown locked up for three more years. That's yeah. goofy. That's also why I think it's goofy. But this guy. This potentially we're going to be trading for him tomorrow. You guys, I think I, think I know. I think I know who you're about to. Aaron say. Gordon. Yep. yep. Aaron, Aaron Gordon. Gordon. You can. Yep. He's athletic. Mm-hmm. He's a great defensive four who can guard the five and the three. So you can guard three positions. Really good offensive guy when you need him to be. He's a current. The current uh, trade uh, options. I think they're going to try to offer him. So the current sources say that uh, they're going to offer up a young player of some sort. We don't know who it is going to be in a first round pick, and potentially throwing in another pick along with that young player in that first round pick for Aaron Gordon. And also we have the trade exception if we run over the cap. That's also another thing that's really weird. They aren't using the trade exception, but I think they're going to save that for Harrison Barnes if we have to trade for Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, my, the other, only... that's the other guy. So I actually want to start with uh, – let's, let's start with Reed because I know you want to talk about that. Yeah, what are so your thoughts on only... the Aaron Gordon trade? So first off, I like Aaron Gordon going to the Celtics. I think that's a good idea. However, what I saw today, I saw some um, something Woj was talking about it, um, how I think about two weeks ago, Aaron Gordon did request a trade from the Magic. But apparently, recently, um, he has had second thoughts about um, his trade request. So I'm yep. not exactly sure, you know, how much he wants to leave the Magic and exactly like what's going to push him you know because i know the magic obviously love him because you know he's one of their star players um so I, I don't walk Chase yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah on the move. i forgot that i have to take my medication real quick oh go for it uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll keep it on uh reed you want to keep talking uh yeah i just don't know if um he wants to leave that's my only thing because i don't i i like the idea of aaron gordon going to the celtics i think it would be a really good idea um and you brought up the the trade exception thing because i know that i think one of the biggest problems with putting aaron gordon on the celtics would be the fact that um 
he's expensive, you know, he's a good player and you guys already have yeah. a lot of, a lot of contracts, you know, you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown now, um, you know, Kemba Walker still has a big contract despite yeah. his put. Yeah. Despite Ooh. his poor play. But um, so I don't, I don't know. I think it'll be difficult for the Celtics to afford Aaron Gordon, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to quickly pull up his, his, um, his contract if I can find him because why does he not pop up on I use okay if you guys want to know I use basketball reference for all my stuff oh yeah basketball reference is the best absolutely great source it's a great mm-hmm. source so and I think everyone who uses it, like follows the NBA uses uh uses it but uh I'm going to quickly look up his his um his uh what's what is it the uh, contract just because I don't want to like speak terms I thought he was relative he's I thought from what I remember he was relatively cheap uh, compared he, to he's on a four-year 80 million dollar contract right now so he's about 20 million a year that's actually not that bad mm-hmm. for for a, a four but yeah i mean uh, i'm gonna actually i'll talk about it before james goes to it but i think this is a great idea it just depends on who we're gonna trade for him because we have a he, they said young player so that's on the on already so that's think about it so that's probably grant williams semi ojale robert williams uh, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters are all on on the chopping block for this trade. And for me personally, I would not want to give up Pritchard or Robert Williams. I think there are future I'm young guys. Give up Robert Williams either. Yeah, yeah, I think you guys would agree with me. Pritchard and Robert would have to stay. Grant, I would also have to say yes. I would say the worst guy we have, to, like the guy we would give up, probably is like. I would actually give him two players. I'd probably give him like Semi Ojale and like Javante Green or or Aaron Neesmith. That's honestly my picks, but I I wouldn't want to get rid of those 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 three guys I mentioned first. So those guys I feel like are the, our future and, and they're developing really well. And I think if we have to, I think we want to keep those guys and probably trade Ojale would be my choice. And I, I don't know. Do you guys think also with this um thing is do you guys would you guys give up two first round picks potentially for Aaron Gordon? Because that's poss- possible in the trade in the trade in the trade talks having two first round picks. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it out of the question. I think that it wouldn't be a bad move considering that the Celtics have done so well with uh, the draft before that I don't know if they need it anymore. And so the reason why I, I'm kind of like leaning towards that direction is because if they did theoretically get um, Aaron Gordon, it would be a smart move to trade those picks because you kind of don't have to rely on that anymore. You'll have guys who will be able to kind of take those uh those uh, that weight lifted off the the Celtics shoulders by not having those picks that year you know what I mean so I I think that it would it could work better read what were you gonna say uh, so I feel like I so I I agree with what you're saying but my my counter to that would be um I feel like so you said the Celtics do very well in the draft and that's true they're they consistently draft good players so to me I feel like the draft could be their future, you know, because, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are young. They're still young uh, and they are the future of the Celtics right now. Um, You know, but they, we've also seen that they've been pretty inconsistent this season and, you know, and they've gone on some pretty bad slumps. So I think that it's kind of dangerous to give away something that the Celtics are so good at. And I feel like it's, it's just dangerous to give it, to give that away because, um, I think that could be a big part of their future, the draft, you know, but uh, at the same time, I think that, you know, trading for Aaron Gordon is a great idea, but he also, I think Aaron Gordon would need to know coming into it that he's not going to be a big offensive option. 
you know, right. like he's he's gonna be like a third or a fourth. He'll option. be better than Kevin He'll Walker. Be. Let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's been, I mean, yeah, he definitely will be better than Kemba right now. But um, no, I think it's I think that he needs to realize that um, he's gonna definitely take a step back on the offensive side, and he's gonna need to take a big step up on the defensive side for the Celtics. I could totally agree, and I'm also picking up their incoming uh, their future draft picks, and the only first round picks they have is their own. So I'll be honest, how there's not much value in future Celtics first round picks because how good we are, like consistently good we are. So I don't know how much that's going to be valued. Like maybe we should give them like some second round picks, like the OKC one or the Charlotte one in the next couple of years would be a really good option. I don't know. Again, like, I mean, do you guys have any final takes? Because I really don't have anything else to say. Like, I think I've said everything I need to say about it. I would say yes and just give them some Yojale. No, give them Grant. Keep keep Grant Pritchard and, and Rob Williams, Time Lord, and you can trade whoever else in my mind. But yeah. yeah, I think we pretty much well, obviously it all not up. with obviously not Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. No, they're, they're, that's you would have to be getting like you would have to be getting like Vucevic for that. Like that's no way you're getting. That's you have to get saying, Vucevic and Gordon for like what's one of those guys. Like there's no way yeah. you trade away one. No, and I don't well, think I'm the Celtics. Just, I don't think the Celtics want to do that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, of course, but I don't think the Celtics would even want to do that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Danny you know, H said he's he said Tatum's officially untouchable and Jalen Brown's potentially on the untouchable list for Celtics. So. That's a good thing. Yeah. I want to keep those two guys. But uh, the next one, Harry, let's talk about quickly the Harrison Barnes thing. That's been coming up every so often. We did talk about it earlier, but now since the trading deadline is tomorrow, do you guys think still think the Harrison Barnes trade is possible? Harrison Barnes trade is possible tomorrow. See, I think that it is possible, and I, I'm I'm I I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm in, I'm kind of in favor of it if you can't get Aaron Gordon. You know, if mm-hmm. if it's like a for me, yeah, that's kind of why I'm coming out like realistically you can kind of play him at the four and you know what i you know i've been preaching about this the entire time i've been doing this podcast but like obviously start robert williams at the five and then and then put harrison barnes at the four run small up until you get um into trouble with like teams like you know somebody like 76ers where you need bigger men we got tice we have tice as our big so like yeah, so like you know, and and he's really good offensively. So like you know, the having Robert Williams there as your kind of like mid-level ground to be a really good, uh, to be a, a good enough offense and defense guy, and then bring off Tristan Thompson off the bench if you need more boards. Bring in Tice if you need more scoring from the five. But like Harrison Barnes is a solid pick if you can't get Aaron Gordon because he, like I said, he can he's tall enough to where he can run the four. Yes, you'll be playing a little bit more small ball, but you'll be able to distribute the ball around the players a lot more and be able to score and get more facilitation going, which is what I've been preaching for about the last two or three weeks because, let's be real, Kemba Walker can't fucking do that. So, like, you know, it's just – it's not a good situation to have. But, like I said, uh, you know, I'm in favor of the Harrison Barnes trade, but I I would like to hear your guys' opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't dislike it. Honestly, I don't know a whole lot about this trade or Harrison Barnes even as a player. I don't really follow him too much. But um, I can definitely tell that um, the Celtics need to look at defensive options more so than offensive options. They have the offense already, you know, uh, like you said. (laughs) Suppose on paper they have the offense on paper. So, you know, you have Brown and Tatum. Uh, like James, you said, Tice could bring in scoring from the five. 
Um, so I think that it would, it would be a good option for them for sure, but they definitely need to, um, look, they need to look at some defensive options as well, but Harrison Barnes is also a good defender if I'm not wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So I think that, yeah, they, they need serviceable defenders. Um, I mean, now that Marcus Smart is back, obviously not so much, but I still think that they need some help against some of the bigger teams in the league because Marcus Mm -hmm. Smart is only like six, one or six, three, I think. Um, he's small, you know, he's a great defender, but he's small. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know this. I thought, I thought Tice was listed as a seven footer. He's actually only six foot eight. I didn't realize that. Huh? He's still a big enough man. To yeah. He's big he's enough, but I'm just like, yeah. every time I see him like matched up against Joel, he seems comparable. So I was like, wait, yeah, he's probably he looks, seven foot. Yeah, pretty, I actually, I didn't know how tall he was. Actually, They always, mess up, yeah. the, they always mess up the heights too, because they, they switched it recently to where, they're not counting them in uh, the height in shoes anymore. And like, I, I don't know it, it, he was listed at like 610, I think like the year before. So I, I'm not really too sure about what that doesn't is. make any sense to me. I feel like they should keep the height listed with shoes on. Cause like you yeah. play yeah, the game with shoes that's on. That's <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so like, I, I feel like you just, as a given, you just add an extra inch or two and you just like, yeah. that's their actual height. So we need to match up, you know, with this guy, with, with whoever, but yeah, I mean, for the Harrison Barnes thing, real quick, I think it's good. Uh, he br- brings some great offense if we need it, and some good defense. It's overall a good rotation piece. I don't, I don't think he'll make he'll make like a, you know a third option on this team. He maybe I don't know maybe if Kemba really does fall off, he'll be a third option. And, and we've seen Harrison Barnes do well in the past. I mean, he was yeah. really good on the Warriors before they started heating up and winning those championships. Now, realistically, yes. They, you and know, he was good they, on they, Dallas as well. They, yeah, mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't need him, but you know, they—he's a solid player, and he can do enough for a team to where it'll, it'll impact them enough. You know, he—he's kind of, in my mind, he's kind of like uh, a situation where you know Blake Griffin for, for the Nets. He'll help out, he'll help them out, but he's not going to change anything drastically. You know, it's so like it's. It's a not. It's never going to be a, a situation where it's going to be hurting your team like that at this point. So that's why I'm more in favor of getting Harrison Barnes. But obviously, you want to go for Aaron Gordon as much as you can. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to preach just get Aaron Gordon. Like, like maybe I don't know if the for two first round picks for first round picks is too much, but I don't know. I, I don't know for how desperate we are at this rate. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say pretty desperate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we are falling out of playoff contention, and I don't know what our expectation is, especially since we've been playing so well. And like, that's the thing about like, I guess I I could bring this up because I just thought about it. Like, we've had expectations about championships. We've made it to the the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times with it. We made it with Kyrie when he got injured, and we had all our young mm-hmm. guys play. And it's like every every other year since, like, it's been very mediocre, like a second round exit, first round exit. Is there like, is there a reason? I mean, I feel like after like, it's probably development, the young guys haven't gotten much experience uh, in the playoffs, but is that the reason or is there any other reasons I'm missing for like why we haven't really made, like made championship level, you know, kind of thing. I think, I think you brought up a good point uh, at the beginning where you said it's tough for the Celtics to close games out. And I think that's been a consistent problem, not just this season. Yeah, you know, they, 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 they have a hard time closing games out. Um, you know, which would further, you know, extrapolate to having trouble closing out an entire series. You know, I mean, they, they, they beat the Raptors last year, right? But that's still, it went to seven games. And realistically, I think with the way that Pascal Siakam played, I think the Celtics really sort of torched them. Um, we should have. But, 
yeah but um so i think it's i think that's a big problem for them right now is just yeah. being able to close those games out it seems like there's the people it seems like the players are getting really hot in the first half and then they're cooling down in the second half and that's when the other team is going to heat up and then it, it's just going to be a problem i think and i think it is a problem already mm-hmm. i totally agree yeah i mean i can't say, I can't say anything better myself yeah that's ex- i mean that's it and Honestly, I think it's also not having that veteran leadership or there's someone like like maybe a Lamarcus Aldridge type, someone who's been there so many times to like mentor these guys. Like this is how you like the mentality mm-hmm. you need to have, like how you need to play these things. But yeah, I mean, I, th- we, I thought we had that with Kyrie. Um, <laughs> I thought we had that with Kyrie, but Kyrie decided to go be a terrible locker room guy. And uh, yeah, he decided to leave. And then he left. we decided to drop him. So, I mean, I thought we had that with Kyrie as a finisher in the fourth fourth quarter but <laughs> but yeah I okay so my problem with Kyrie I feel like he so obviously he puts the stats up but I feel like sometimes he can be kind of like an empty calorie star do you know what I mean yeah like I feel like like for him to be the first option on a team and him be like the only option because he pretty much realistically was like the the big option on that Celtics team um I think it's hard for teams to like close out you know, with just Kyrie. And I think that's why the Nets are having success because they have Kyrie, but they also have James Harden. And we also had Kevin Durant, who's been injured for God knows how long now. I think he yep. last played in like February 12th or something like that. But um, yeah, so I think Kyrie Ooh. definitely needs to be surrounded by like good players. <laughs> you stop right. typing in the chat. All right, y'all typing in the chat. All right, let's move on to one minute hot take. We're starting to run out of time, and like these gotta be real quick. So like, give like one to two minutes at most. So yeah. recently, we all heard the headlines. LeBron James had an high ankle sprain, and he's probably gonna be out for like probably for the remainder of the season. Like, just make sure he rests up for the playoffs. But um, having AD already injured. Like, how impactful is this? Because, like, my only thing about it is that this potentially could mess up their seating. Like, they could not be, like, they probably won't stay a third, like, a three seed. They'll probably jump down, like, five, four at the best or six at the worst. Like, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, yeah. they have an MVP runner-up from last year. I'm pretty sure, was was LeBron runner-up last year for MVP? Yes. Or he was, he was, yeah, okay, so he was in the conversation. So they have yeah. a runner-up for MVP out, and Anthony Davis, who was runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year last year, out. That is Andy, two, like, massive the, hits on a team. And Anthony Davis was, before he got uh, injured, he was the front-runner for DPOY this year. Yep. Yeah. So well. I think that that's like two, literally, that's like the worst thing that could possibly have happened to the Lakers right now. I think personally, I think they're kind of screwed, honestly. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that they're totally screwed, but uh, I would agree with Reed that like they are going to drop heavy. And I don't, and that, and with that being said, I, I, I can't put a specific number on what seed I think that they'll be at the end of the season if LeBron and AD are both out for the rest of the season, but I think that they are they are going to drop significantly, and it gets me kind of excited because that means the Suns are probably going to be a three or a two seed. Yep, and I'm really happy <laughs> about that. So yeah. I mean, that gives us a good shot at, at getting a, a a good shot at trying to get in contention for the championship. Do I yep. think that'll happen? No. But, you know, it's, it's a good first experience for the Suns. You know, I, I think that we're on the come up. And, um, you know, I, I think – Devin Booker Lakers, and DeAndre Aiden need this experience. So, you know, and, and uh, I, 
Yeah, well, they do. They need. They do need those. Yeah, but I don't but, think um, book book hasn't been to the playoffs once. Nope. Not. But um, yeah, I, I think that the Lakers are going to drop heavy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I if I saw them around like the five seed. Yeah, that's exactly where I have them around, and just. Honestly, LeBron should be back for the playoffs. And honestly, this is the thing about LeBron. Like, we've seen him carry trash teams uh, like, you know, the Cavs. We saw the example of the Cavs. But uh, well, how do I – I mean, he does have AD as well. Hopefully, AD will be back. I'm just trying to think because, like, the uh, – I mean – AD should I'm, be back by the end of the season. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, yeah, I think they said he should be. Yeah, I just yeah. – I know the impact is going to be important, but also my thought in my head, like, I'm trying to word this, like, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to say this, but, like, I don't know how important home court advantage is this season. Cause I don't know if it matters if you're a five or a six seed when there's like barely, like there's only one quarter of the fans there and like you're, and you're just playing just for playing. You're not like getting hyped up by the fans or anything. You're just playing with pure skill, pure power. You're not where you're not getting that adrenaline. From, usually you get from like the fans or even like the, the pressure from the fans if you're an away team. So I know LeBron can handle it, but I don't know some of these guys who've never been to the playoffs on the bench, on the bench, or even on like the other other players on the Lakers have ever experienced it. And this could right. be a problem because especially since LeBron usually carries, but like the rest of the team doesn't have an experience. And usually the people on the Cavs had at least a year of experience with LeBron because he brought him to the playoffs and got him that experience before they ran again for the for like a championship, i.e. the uh, the run where they they uh, upset the Warriors. I forgot the one the year before that they went to the finals with uh, against yeah. the Warriors and lost and then they came back and won 2015 yeah. to 2016 yep so yeah they have that's what LeBron can do for those guys but I don't think how this probably gonna be like the repeat of that so like he'll probably have to bring them to the playoffs give those guys experience but then probably have to lose to like the Suns Jazz whoever and then probably he'll mm-hmm. probably come back next bounce back next year is what my oh, prediction is going to be I would love that so much. It's yeah, I know. It gives the other guys a chance. Games. And I think the Warriors, I don't think the Warriors are going to be in here anymore. So there might be like a, a new, new, a new winning team. And the Heat, I don't think are going to make the, a big run this year. So we'll have yeah. a new championship, new champion this year. The Sixers, Nets, Suns, Jazz. Be, that's like the four teams that are going to interest me the most. The Bucks are also in there. The Clippers are in there. But yeah, I think no, those I def- are the six teams. Yeah, with the, the fact that now the Lakers are – they're not completely out of the playoff contention, but I think that with LeBron and AD out, I don't think that they're really good. I don't. I think a championship run is out of the question. You know, they can – I think they can make a deep playoff run for sure, but mm-hmm. um, I think I think a championship run is out of the question. So it's I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in just the Western Conference this season. Definitely. From now, from now on, now that LeBron is out, I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And honestly, I, I'm excited to see Exen again, like Mark Menace. I'm excited to see what happens for the rest mm-hmm. of the season and how the seating plays out. And then the playoffs, when the playoffs come, we'll be on that real tight because Celtics, I don't know if they're going to be in, but I know the Suns and Nets will be in. So we'll definitely be talking about that. And even That's if the cool. Celtics, uh, this is a little quick heads up. If the Celtics do get out, we'll talk about more about the Suns and the Nets, but also I'll try to incorporate like the, what went wrong with the Celtics or what the Celtics need to do in the future, but that's later. Definitely. But, yeah, yep. that's really it for all we had to talk about. We didn't break down games. Hopefully the games next week will be a little more fun to break down. Like, we're not doing the same problems or, you know, we're not getting – we're not one in four I, in, in the I games. Feel, I, feel like, I feel like a broken record, all of us sometimes, every week, we're just – it's the same problems. At this point, I feel like in this podcast, we've talked about the problems enough – like at the same problems, I think we don't think we need to reiterate them. I think we need to talk about like new things, like you know the Brad Stevens thing, trade yeah. deadline, or maybe like you know the Grizzlies. We talked about a little bit like the stuff that happens. 
yeah i mean like we don't need to like break down every game i feel like like we're going to move on from that i think we're going to move move into more i guess playoff readiness and what we need to do to mm-hmm. i guess fix ourselves or like what's gonna like happen to the celtics maybe potentially maybe and, even if, leave and if you're on and if you're on youtube let us know in the comments yeah you know, let us know in the comments but yeah, we're really I, I am very curious yeah. to see what everyone thinks. Yeah. We're we're less than a minute. So yeah, I'm gonna close it up on the Salt Lake side. I'll see y'all next week. Hopefully we'll have more fun things to talk about again. But yeah, until next week, everyone. We'll see ya. And we are back, and we have video this time. So yeah, since we actually transitioned the Celtic side to video, we're actually gonna put this side uh move uh add video to this side of the podcast. But yeah, it's time to talk about some spring football. Where since it just finished up this week, you know, he said uh, Dan Mullen had his most recent podcast, uh, not podcast, press conference, and he had some details that you know we should talk about. And especially since it's the wrap up, he gave a lot of like closing remarks and about what things what things have developed and what guys are he potentially going to be starting, etc. But yeah, let's get right into it. I took a few notes about throughout the whole podcast, uh, the whole press conference. I keep saying podcast, but it's actually the press conference, and uh, like what details he said, like what what he like feels confident about, and all that stuff. But yeah, his first comment that he got he gave out was the uh, he wanted two starting QBs. That's his his comment was that he wants two starting QBs, and then he'll figure out the backups from there. So basically, his the gist of that is that he wants. From what we're assuming on the on the uh, depth chart wise, he wants Emery and Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson, to be both starting level quarterbacks on his team for next year, and then he'll worry about like you know Jalen Kitna or the uh, the other guy, the other four star. He's just saying, yeah, Carlos Del, uh, uh, Rio Wilson. If he wants those, he wants those guys fighting for the backup role. But I think that's also another thing that he preaches about the two starting QB thing, like last year. I think that he he wants the Anthony Richardson to be more of that playmaker type, and he still wants him to make throws. Like he, throughout this whole uh, uh, spring practice, like we haven't been talking about it much, but he's been trying to force Emery to stay in the pocket or stay behind the line of scrimmage and be able to make passes and read the defenses, so he's able to make those passes during game day because he usually was just a runner, um, you know, threw a couple passes every so often, but he's mainly a runner type QB, like a dual threat. <laughs> And never really made too many passes, but now since he's probably gonna get the main work, uh, main work, um, be the main workhorse of the uh, of the offense, he'll have to be able to make those throws consistently a lot more now. And he's hoping also with Anthony Richardson uh, developing that he'll be able to also take that role of more of a passer type. And I think they're gonna like make that you know that little uh, what is it called? Now duality, I guess the duality of having Anthony Richardson still be a runner, but making insane throws as being the main workhorse, but also throwing an Anthony Richardson. As you know, like a little curveball, make defenses think, you know, like keep them on their toes with having two QBs. And then hopefully one of the freshmen will step up as the backup. So the also another comment that really was um, is interesting that he made about like winning consistently, which is a good thing. Like he talked about like he wants to win consistently. He believe he's believes he's uh, done that in Florida, which he has, which is a great thing for us. You know, he's not like having a four and eight season and jumping up to 11 and eight and then jo- dropping down to like six and six. Whatever the record may be. But yeah, he's winning consistently, which is great. You know, it's fun as a Florida fan. That means we have a chance to, you know, do well. But then, like, my question is, like, what about pass, winning pass consistently? Like, how about winning maybe, like, playoff games consistently or maybe, you know, attempting multiple championship runs, you know, per year? You know, it's great that we're winning consistently, but I don't know if we, like, is he thinking, is he thinking about the playoffs or is he thinking about, like, winning the SEC championship multiple times in his in his tenure, which would be great. You know, that's like a thing you got to think about. Like, it's good that we're winning consistently, but what about what else? What what about past that? What's past that for him? Like, can we, can we think about postseason? I guess what you would call 
college football postseason as you know you know thinking about SEC championship you think about the playoffs thinking about bowl games you know that la- the la- most recent bowl game hasn't been very promising for us but you know we'll see what his performance is later if he keeps ha- having that same mentality that you know potentially will have his hot seat will get even hotter like we talked about a couple weeks ago you know having those we have these bad like like I guess these like negative comments towards winning or even postseason play but yeah the next thing he talked about, yeah, we talked about the QBs, but I also wanted to highlight a segment on Emory Jones. He's been saying he's been making his reads, working on the fundamentals, which is, you know, a little off-putting that he's working on his fundamentals in his junior year. But, I mean, I guess it's a good thing. You know, I guess you never can be uh, perfect at the fundamentals. But, yeah, that's a good sign that he's still working at it. And he's making re- he says he's making reads. And then throughout this whole spring practice, he's been, like, saying consistently that uh, Anthony, uh, not Anthony Richardson, but uh, Emory Jones has been making his reads and making the plays when he needs to, which is good. And that's you know gives us confidence that he's able to make throws and still run efficiently like he has in the past. So yeah, that's a good sign here. But um, let's go into like a little like rapid fire. So he had like his question about confidence at each position. Like what does he feel confident about? What he doesn't feel confident about? And of course he's not gonna say he's not confident about a position, but he's gonna talk about like how many starter starters he has. Like how, like who like if he's confident he'll he'll say it. Like he said it for like example. Let's start. He feels very confident about the running back and linebacker rooms, which is a good sign. That you know of course running back room. Let's be honest, the running back room is very deep. They got the new transfer uh, in uh, Demarcus Bowman, and they had the transfer from last year uh, as uh, Lorenzo Lingard has actually been making steps. In the uh, in spring practice, as he commented in it, it's a funny enough that he's actually said one running back he highlights that people don't really pay attention to that much was Lorenzo Lingard, so that's a good sign. And you know, also the other guys who made really good impact plays last year, uh, Malik Davis and Naquan Wright, we might have to take a step back because we have a huge depth at that position because we have Damian Pierce who has like seniority at that position. We also have, you know, uh, what's his name, uh, Malik Davis who made who was like probably the main workhorse along with Damian Pierce last year. So yeah, we'll see what well uh well what Malik Davis and Naquan Wright will do next year. Hopefully, those guys uh, the guys I mentioned earlier will be more of like the passing passing type roles, and we'll have Demarcus Bowman and Damian Pierce as our main workhorses, you know, up the middle, as being like power backs types, if you want to play say it like that. But let's uh move on to linebacker just a little bit. You know, we were talking about it a few podcasts ago that uh that I felt confident with the linebacker. I mean, I don't know if I said it exactly, but I feel confident. You know, Ventral Miller's coming back. We have some experience, you know, with uh, 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 Hopper, uh, Derek Wingo and Tyron Hopper, who were freshmen last year, but I think are making amazing strides in the in spring practice. Like Demo has said, actually, he actually brought up those two names and said he made they're making amazing strides uh, as a li- at the linebacker position. So probably he'll feel more confident rolling out them uh, next to Ventral Miller, and Ventral Miller won't have to be very, you know, won't have to question himself to figure out who is he going to guard. Does he have to cover for the linebacker to the left of him or right of him? Or will he be able to make it, uh, do his role in the defense uh, wherever he's placed on zone or whatever if he's doing a blitz? So that's a good sign. And also I'm assuming that when he says linebacker room's confident, he's also talking about outside linebacker because we have Brendan Cox coming back. Jeremiah Moon is coming back as well. So And, and David Reese as well is coming back. So that's good um, – I guess good veteran leadership in that in that room, but also we have, I guess guys you don't talk about that much. Bogles coming back and Jeremiah. Yeah, we talked about Jeremiah Moon, but I think those three guys are the main pass rushers on the edge to help out. You know the interior guys, uh, the defensive line, which we'll talk about after this real quick. But yeah, the defensive line. But yeah, actually, let me wrap up the linebackers. Confident, de- deep, veteran, which is a good sign. 
Let's go on to the defensive uh, defensive line. So, you know, nose tackles, defensive tackles. You know, there, we have depth there now because we have the two uh, two transfers, uh, Antonio Shelton and uh, Duquan Newkirk. And we have Gervon Dexter, who um, actually Dan Mullen has been commenting on the, a few uh, press conferences ago that he's been making steps, making those right steps as a, as a, as a freshman going on to be a sophomore. You know, making those steps from his freshman to sophomore year to be, you know, really a lot better than he was last year because he got kind of thrown into the role as a five-star uh, when uh, Kyrie Campbell is out. So maybe, you know, with the spring practice, he'll be able to do the right things and make, make the right steps to become better and be able to be a good rotation piece whenever we need uh, guys to take a rest. He'll, can be able to, he'll be able to step in for uh, Shelton or uh, Newkirk whenever they need a rest. So that's that's a good sign that the, he says he has depth, uh, depth in that depth depth in that position and the transfers definitely did help with that so the next one he talked about was a uh, tight ends he said we have a solid tight end i would classify it as like a solid tight end room you know we have we have Z- zipper and gamble keon zipper and, and gamble Ke- uh kairi uh kimura gamble from last year who are who are like you know i guess like juniors going on uh, juniors and seniors that are you know bringing that leadership they have snaps and reps from last season that they can bring on to next season, and hopefully they'll they'll probably take the main main load for next year. And also like a lot a guy they've been, you know, highlighting a lot in these as in these uh, press conferences is uh, Nick Elksness, who's been taking steps as a freshman, you know, being an early enrollee and you know showing out that he's you know com- he's like competent and playing really well in spring ball. So hopefully that translates to the uh, football field when it comes to next year. But yeah, the tight end room is solid. Uh, another thing he talked about the wide wide receiver. Room is, uh, they're making strides, you know, I think that's what kind of sums it up. But also one guy he keeps highlighting a lot was uh, Jamarcus Weston. He's been saying that he's that name multiple times. He's a sophomore now, Richard sophomore. So he has that experience from last year working with the guys. And, you know, hopefully that highlighting his name quite a few times during spring ball means that he's probably going to take a, a good chunk of the reps next year and be able to be serviceable at the position because we still have, you know, from last year we have Copeland, we have Henderson, we have uh, Justin Shorter from last year, but hopefully he'll be able to rack, crack the rotation as well, hearing all the praise from Dan Mullen uh, this season. But yeah, Jeremiah Moon is back. I did talk about that. Uh, secondary, he said needs depth. He says he's confident uh, with the one, two, and three, but he needs more from the four, five, and six guys. So from my predictions, looking at the temp chart and hearing from what everybody's saying from the insiders and all that, I'm assuming that he's talking about uh, Kyrie Elam's going to start definitely as the number one. Number two is probably going to be Jadon Hill, who's a junior. They're both juniors now, and I think they're going to be probably the first, like the number, like the one and two at the at the cornerback position. And I think Jason Marshall, being coming the being that five star and having a lot of talent, he's going to be that th- number three at the in the nickel in the, in the nickel spot for the cornerbacks. And from these from these names, I really don't see anybody that really stuck out that everyone everyone any no one's really been talking about at the cornerback position. Uh for like the four, five, six, but hopefully he said like he needs depth, so hopefully he'll be able to develop that for you know, having those backups just in case somebody goes down or they need to rotate the guys in for a break, you know, for rest and stuff during games. So hopefully he'll be able to find depth there in the cornerback position. But yeah, he also the last comment he said was um he has a good idea of who he's gonna play for uh, the for all the positions, which is a good sign that he has a starting whoever, like a starting four, five, and his one, two, and three, or one and two, whoever is going to start. But again, he's his main underlying trend that he's been talking about is like he needs depth at each of these positions. Some of them do have him, some of them don't. 
which is, uh, you know, concerning, but, you know, hopefully he'll have time in the summer and, you know, after this rest period, he'll be able to develop those guys again and be able to get another pra- get more practice in, in spring and fall. I mean, I mean, summer and fall, be able to get that depth, depth up that we won't have to be so nervous about like, oh, do we need to, do we need to put this freshman in maybe because we don't, we don't have this set guy who's going to come in for, uh, for, you know, rest peers or whatever they need or if someone goes down. Again, so that's confidence. And it seems like uh, Dan Mullen over, throughout this whole period has been really confident in his defense, you know, but, and then his offense, you know, he's, he's finding, he's finding, I think he's finding the guys he needs to find for what, uh, well, who's going to start. And I think a lot of the insiders are saying, you know, I, I think the thing with spring practice that I've learned a lot, cause I, I never really followed spring practice as much until now is that like one, one group may be good, but that also may highlight some deficiencies at another position. For example, if the O-line is really good, is it because the O-line is really good or like making steps to become better? Or is it the defensive line is actually struggling because you're playing against yourself. So you, you have to, you have to critically look at both, both sides of the table and look at, is the offensive line really popping off or we're doing really well? Or is it the defensive line that's really struggling and that's making the, the offensive line look really good. Same with wide receivers, cornerbacks. You know, if the wide receivers are doing really well, does that mean the quarterbacks need to take some steps forward like they're not playing as well? Or is, you know, the wide rec- or if the cornerbacks are really good or the wide receivers really just not, are struggling and they're not playing as well as they should be? You know, this is, this is the thing with spring practice. You're not able to play against another person, you know, to really critique yourself. You know, you really just look at the film from either last season uh, the games from last season, or you're looking at spring ball, spring film practice, and like looking at yourself. I think you spring spring is much of a time just to look look at yourself critically, like look at yourself like techniques, fundamentals, and not really looking at yourself game time like as a game time type of format. So you know, as I'm learning a lot about spring practice, and this is my first year like seriously covering the off season, and it's been really fun, and it's I've been really enjoying this. Like it's lo- like you know le- learning about these uh, I guess procedures and learning I guess knowing ahead of time who's going to play and like who, who the coaches feel confident about rolling out beforehand. But uh, another thing that came up just talking about cornerbacks and stuff, I keep mentioning it like subtly, but um, uh, Dan Mullen keeps praising uh, actually uh, Jules Montanar and uh, Wells McGriff, their strides at like developing the guys and like how well he's, they've been able to transition into the Florida system and be able to coach these guys up. And also I think it's really helpful that most of these guys um, in the secondary room, like, you know, cornerback safeties, are younger, generally younger. You have a couple um, experienced guys like Kyir Elam and uh, Trey Dean. But I think that helps that you have a young coach and a young guys to, you know, work together and be able to, like, bring their expertise and be able to feed off each other, which is a really good thing. But, yeah, I mean, there's not really much else. I mean, that's, like, really much I could uh, – I picked up from most of the weeks of the, the spring practice press conferences plus the insiders' uh, takes – but yeah, I mean, honestly, after spring practice, I feel a lot more confident because I know as, as a Florida fan, you don't really follow the offseason as much. So you you don't feel as confident, you know, seeing, oh, maybe there's a lot of young guys at this this position or maybe on the one side of the ball, like the defense or the offense. You don't feel as confident. And then now hearing, you know, with me who follows it a lot more uh, seriously now in the offseason, I'm starting to feel a little confident that we can like make, you know, we can be be efficient or not efficient, but play well or play as, as we are expected to play next year not like I want I don't think we're gonna play like lights out like we were last year like make a big like playoff run but I think we'll be able to compete against Georgia I think we'll be able to compete against in the SEC championship if we make it there and uh, hopefully we'll play well in our bowl in our bowl game maybe a potentially another New Year's six bowl and that would be really exciting but 
there comes a point where you keep playing New Year's Six Bowls, but you expect to play in the playoffs eventually with all this, you know, good performance you play after four, like how many years you expect to like make a, you know, eventually a playoff run. And that could potentially take off some Florida fans that we haven't made a play, a serious playoff run, or we haven't even made the playoffs, you know, after how many years of uh, Dan Mullen has been there. But again, that's like, I think that's a stuff, something we'll talk about during the season. Like how well we, we'll see how well we play this season and we'll, We'll we'll see how well we do, and then we'll we'll then we'll make I'll make comments about like should we be worried about Dan Mullen? Like, are, should the hot seat that I talked about, like the quote unquote hot seat, be even hotter now with uh, however his performance is? But I think spring ball gives me hope because especially since he didn't have spring ball last season, he has a full spring now to actually develop these guys, and that gives me a lot more confidence. But also, you gotta realize that everyone else has spring as well, so like everyone's developing the same way. It just depends on how the coaching staffs utilize this time to play either well or poorly depending on how they're feeling but yeah that's really it on the florida side hopefully i'll have something else to talk about but this is just a wrap-up for spring he said hold another another press conference for pro day for the uh for all the florida guys so maybe we'll, we could talk about you know the nfl prospects we can talk about trask we can talk about uh pitts and Kadarius tony and how well they're going to be doing because i don't really see anybody else that's going to be like high draft picks from florida so maybe we can talk about those guys and maybe some some new news that comes out of uh, spring as well from the off season. But yeah, that's it for the Florida side. I will see y'all next week. Peace.